0: You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Ah, it is so good to be with you all today. This is a real treat for Joe and me, and it's like back among family. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, would you speak to us this morning through your word? Give me wisdom, the words to speak. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Lord Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Many of you know that I am a writer by profession, and I've just finished a brand new book. It's not out yet. the process of publishing books, if you want to get any visibility, is really slow. Um, so it'll probably be a year yet before you see it in, pub- uh, in published form. But um, I'd like to take this Sunday and the next two Sundays to share some thoughts from what I've been writing on the topic of spiritual conflict. Uh, my book is, on, is about five Old Testament warriors and what they can teach us about fighting today's spiritual battles. And I think we can all agree that there's a lot of conflict in the world today. Certainly there are physical wars, like the civil war in Syria and another in Yemen that's really a proxy war between uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran. There are also bitter conflicts, political divides in such heartbreaking situations as in Myanmar, where the military took control over the democratically elected government earlier this year. And of course, closer to home, we have Republicans and Democrats, progressives and conservatives who can't seem to find any common ground. This past year, we've seen an increase in racial injustice and economic disparities. The fury is evident amidst conflicting worldviews and academic circles. The battle for hearts and minds simmers within the arts in popular music and movies and television shows and on the internet and social media and the hostilities spill over into our personal lives in marital disputes and fiscal distress and rebellious children I'd just like to remind you of who is the author of all this discord. God's sworn enemy, the devil, lies behind every one of these trials. We may gain reprieves in this world through diplomatic negotiations and well-meaning legislation, but we can never relax because the enemy of our souls constantly strives to deceive us. He fibs, he evades, intimidates, and misdirects. We struggle in life because we are under, under constant attack from an enemy whose sole desire is to lie and steal and destroy God's creation. I would submit that all of our trials have a spiritual dimension. Paul, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, tell us, tells us, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That tells me that the problems of this world require a spiritual response. And the question I want to raise these next three weeks is, how do we prosecute this spiritual war? The psalmist writes, The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. A war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Today, we could say that we are deluded if we stake our faith in soldiers armed with tanks and machine guns and F-22 fighter planes. David, the great warrior, emphatically declared, for not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword, today we might say, nor can my gun, save me. That's from Psalm 44. As Christians, we have very different weapons. To prepare us for spiritual warfare, we have the men and women of scripture to train us. They probably seem larger than life today. However, they were all ordinary people from all walks of life. <clears throat> Briefly, they include a doctor, Luke, a carpenter, Joseph, several shepherds, a farmer, Elisha, a housewife, Deborah, two midwives, Sepharah and Pua, They include teenagers, Samuel, Jeremiah, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and senior citizens like Abraham, Simeon, Anna, and Moses. Even Paul in our epistle this morning tells us that though he is the very least of the saints, he was given the grace to preach to all the Gentiles. Scripture shows us that God can and will use any available person of any age, and vocation, who is willing to allow God to develop him or her into a hero of faith. This morning, let's examine our first Old Testament warrior, Gideon. Next week, we're going to look at Elijah, and August 8th, we will look at Moses. The thing that intrigues me about Gideon is that he was a nobody, When God called him to save Israel, he protested that his clan was the weakest in the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he was the least in his father's household. He had absolutely no standing in his community, much less in the nation. Have you ever felt that way? Do you ever think, who am I? God can't use me. Well, that was Gideon. And to make things worse for Gideon, the culture and po- cultural and political climate seemed hopeless. The nation of Israel was in shambles. A foreign nation had overrun the land and were stealing their crops and livestock. Every season, the Hebrews would plant grain. Every harvest, the Midian hordes would descend on their camels and devour the entire crop. How did Israel get into such a mess? Well, the answer should have been obvious, for they'd faced similar crises before, at least three times since Joshua had led them to victory over the inhabitants of Canaan. The story of Israel was one of a cycle, consisting of bondage, brokenness, followed by rescue, peace, and prosperity, only to crumble again, usually within a few decades. It should not have been that way, Israel had an ironclad treaty with God, remain faithful to Yahweh, the one true God, and the country would know only peace and prosperity. Wander into the arms of a local deity, and God would send an enemy to punish them. They would cry out to God for help, and God would provide a hero to rescue the nation. However, the succeeding generation promptly forgot their history and just repeated the cycle. So when we meet Gideon, the people are being ravaged by a horde of invaders that steal their food and valuables. When God calls Gideon to deliver the people from Midian's hordes, he is hiding. (coughs) Gideon is a secret believer. He threshes wheat in a winepress, a pit that is carved out of rocky ground. It probably gave him a decent hiding place where he could grind a little grain for his family. Gideon is minding his own business when an angel comes to him with what seems like a crazy message. God's word to Gideon has two parts. First, the Lord is with you. Now that was big news because Gideon didn't believe God was with Israel, much less with him personally. Oh, sure, God was with Abraham and Moses and Joshua, but me, Gideon, I'm a nobody. I'm just trying to eke out a living without attracting attention of the invaders. Does God even know I exist? Talk about a poor self-image. Gideon couldn't sink much lower in his thinking. That makes the second revelation even more shocking. The angel identifies Gideon this way, O mighty man of valor. Gideon must think that God has him confused with someone else. I mean, what about that great archer in the tribe of Ephraim, or maybe Joachim who lives a few doors down. He's a bodybuilder, and no one can pin him in a wrestling match. The angel must have gone to the wrong address. It's sad that Gideon only understands his miserable condition, his helplessness, his bondage. No doubt he would say that someone needs to take leadership in this country, but not me. God declares, Gideon, you are my man. You are a mighty warrior. We should not miss this point. God is prepared to make a new beginning with anybody who is available, even the least of the least. And further, we can have confidence when God calls us, because God's, what God said to Gideon, he also says to us, I am with you. Now, I want to note that after the angel speaks, nothing has changed. The Midianites are still roaming the land, creating havoc. <coughs> and yet everything has changed because God has arrived. He calls Gideon, and that means he is with Gideon. Now, when we look at our circumstances, whether cultural or political, a family crisis or a health pandemic, if you feel the situation is helpless, you are looking in the wrong direction. Let's be clear. God is here. He is calling us. He is calling you. And that means he is with you and he will equip you with everything you need for battle. Listen to what Jesus says. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the starting point we need if we're to prepare for spiritual conflict. Now, most of us probably know the story of Gideon. We learned it in Sunday school that Gideon put out a fleece, twice asking God to confirm his call. And from our reading this morning, we see that Gideon had quite a few questions for God. He asked, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? And where are all God's wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. That last one isn't a formal question, but you can hear it. If God is with us, why are we being persecuted? What's gone wrong? Now notice, God has no problem with Gideon's questions. But listen to his answer. Go. Go in this might of yours and save Israel. Now, wait a minute. What might? Gideon has no strength to save himself, much less an entire nation. God is sending Gideon, but with what resources? How about a few automatic weapons to mow down the Midianites? That would at least even the playing field. But God has already answered the question with these words. The Lord is with you. Gideon is to go, and along the way, God will provide all the instructions and resources he needs. It's the same when God calls us into battle today. We should cling to the final words Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew's gospel. I am with you always, to the end of the age. I ask you, what greater confidence do we need? And then God provides this additional detail to Gideon. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. And that sounds absurd. One man versus 120,000 soldiers? Is this some kind of video game where the player at the control mows down thousands of demons? Not at all. There's no magic joystick. When you look at your problems or the problems of this world, what you need to know is that God is with you, and his resources are unlimited. So the odds are even, actually. Actually, they're in your favor. A few decades later, David will write a psalm that captures what Gideon doesn't yet comprehend. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. You see, David understood the resources of heaven. The chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands, the Lord is among them. With this perspective, do you see how the odds have completely changed? If only the Midianites knew, they would pack up their tents and flee back to the desert. This is where we find courage. Humanly, the battles we face look formidable. We can't see God or his chariots. But if God says go, well, you go by faith. Gideon can't grasp it. All he can think is, I can't do this. And God's answer is, you're absolutely right, but I am with you. So you can. So let's look at Gideon's resources. In Judges 6, we read the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Now, at first, that sounds like a contradiction to God's introductory call. Gideon was told, go in your own strength. He protested, saying, but God, I have no strength. That's correct. Humanly, Gideon's strength and our strength is the spirit of God. Today, as followers of Christ, each of us is gifted with the Holy Spirit. We celebrated that fact nine Sundays ago on Pentecost. Pentecost means God provides the resources we need to fulfill his missions. The Holy Spirit brings us peace in the midst of turmoil. He guides us into all truth using primarily the word of God in scripture. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Christ. It's Jesus living in us. This is the life of the vine. Jesus said we should abide in him, the vine. Apart from this connection, we can do, well, actually, nothing. So Gideon has the single most critical resource for his assignment, the presence of God that has clothed him. However, the circumstances still haven't changed. Not one Midianite has been eliminated. In fact, 120,000 of them have crossed the Jordan River and camped in the Valley of Jezreel. (coughs) At any moment, the Israelites could be attacked, slaughtered, and all of their livelihood destroyed. That's a terrifying situation, except now that Gideon is clothed with God's Spirit, that means he also has the fruits of the Spirit, which includes peace. While everyone around Gideon is in panic mode and no one experiences peace, Gideon remains calm, ready to respond to the directions of God's spirit. That's the confidence we can have as followers of Christ. We have a peace based exclusively on the peace Jesus brought about on the cross. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, we have nothing to give to the world. We must take up our cross daily and follow him. That's our message in a world that is torn apart. One preacher observed, Peace is knowing the reason not to be frightened by the facts this time. Now you know the rest of the story. Gideon had to gather a team. He recruits 32,000 fighters. The Israelites are still outnumbered four to one. So it's not great odds, but God says there are still way too many. Gideon receives instructions to reduce the size of the army, and the first pairing takes him down to 10,000. All who are afraid are sent home, but there are still too many. And the second reduction cuts the army down to just 300 men. And God says that's the right number. My question Are we willing to allow God to select our team? That can be a rather frightening prospect. But the Lord concludes with 300 men who have lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. So what should the other 9,700 do? And the 22,000 who were sent home because they were afraid? Well, they can pray. Later they can participate in the mop-up operation. You see, everyone has a part to play. You may not be the leader. You may not have a dramatic assignment. But you can pray and you can do your part in God's army. Well, you know the story of how God deployed 300 men using torches and trumpets and how the Midianites turned against one another and destroyed themselves. That was God's work. He gave the victory and he received the glory. So what does this mean for us today? First, let me emphasize that the problems we see in the world today are evidence of a rebellion against God, his son, our King. We must keep that always in mind. Second, each of us has a part to play in the spiritual war. There are no spectators. Now, you may feel weak, helpless, unqualified, and humanly that is true. But let's look for a minute at our epistle this morning. Paul says in verse 10 that the church is to reveal the manifold wisdom of God to whom? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And then Paul prays for the Ephesian church. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. May I suggest that rather than allowing the news of the day to plunge us into fear or depression let's focus on these truths. That Jesus rules above all earthly rulers and angelic or demonic powers. When we engage in spiritual warfare, we are equipped with his spirit. We have no power on our own for this war. We must constantly focus on the truths revealed in the scriptures, which give us the perspective that we need. And then third. We must be available, ready to serve our king. God can and will call on each one of us. But like Gideon, we may be surprised when our moment arrives. So we pray, and we train, and we study, study the scriptures so that we can hear and answer when God calls. This is important because we don't choose our assignments. Our commander-in-chief assigns us. I remember the day 50 years ago this summer when God clearly called me, showing me that I was to use the skills he had given me as a writer for the advancement of his kingdom. What I didn't realize at the time was how much I had to learn. It would take many years of practice and training to develop the skill God had given me. Along the way, God provided opportunities for me to use my talent to help others tell their story. But then in 2001, Right after 9 11 came the call to leave the comfort of this country and go to places where the church is under severe persecution. I have to tell you, I felt a lot like Gideon. Who? Me? What can I possibly do to strengthen Christians in persecution? God reminded me that He has filled me with His Spirit and He has given me His Word. I just needed to go and he would provide the insight I needed in each situation. And that's the way I've been living for the last 20 years. I will admit it's risky, but there's no better way to live. Whether you're young or old in school or in the midst of a career or retired, God invites you to be part of his kingdom family and to do your part in engaging in the spiritual war that is tearing our world apart. Paul's words at the end of Ephesians 3 gives us the perspective we need. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we are not powerless. The rebellion against you is fierce, but we know that King Jesus wins. So, like you taught Gideon, teach us how to fight this spiritual war, to be part of your solution to the world's problems. May Christ our hope church be a congregation of prayer warriors. And will you raise up Gideons from this congregation to advance your kingdom in this world. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.